Welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and today we welcome for the first time to our airwaves, Rachel Hockett, Artistic Director of the Homecoming Players, and we welcome back the Homecoming Players Literary Manager and Resident Playwright and On Stage, Off Stage's very first guest, Arthur Bicknell. Rachel and Arthur are about to close out their second season of Homecoming Players Productions with Dottie, a brand new full-length play written by Arthur. We started off talking to these intrepid theatrical artists about how they got the homecoming players started, and it turned out it might be the longest theater company genesis in history. She came back to Ithaca after a hiatus of how long? 40 years. 40 years. Four zero. Four zero. That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's my next question. Why? A number of factors came together for that relocation back to our hometown. Um, Arthur and I were uh, were not in touch with each other for pretty much that entire time since we graduated from Ithaca High School. We went our separate ways. We both did theater in, in uh, New York for a while, never ran into each other. Which is amazing 70s. still to me. I mean, we were there for overlapping about less, less than 20 years, but um, Somewhere, like a good 15, we were there at the same time, right? And we both lived on the Upper, upper West Side, and we never saw each other. Um, so that was odd. Did you do theater while you were here in Ithaca when you did know each other? We were high school drama nerds together. Okay. We did all those high school plays together. I right. wrote a play for the our senior class uh, called Flit, and I cast Rachel as the star. And she doesn't remember that. Can you? Oh, I do now. Well, you know, only because I drummed it into you. <laughs> well, actually, a little story. We um, we were. I was in the Bay Area. I was living in Berkeley. This was two thousand nine. I had moved there from the central coast of California, uh, thinking that that would be the theater city for me. In sure. Yeah, I mean, Bay the Bay Area is well known Fantastic. for its plethora of theater. Yeah. Right. It's the third biggest theater city in the country and it has a wonderful um, service organization called Theater Bay Area and you can plug yourself in presumably with with relative ease. Now, I didn't have a wonderful time in Berkeley and I was homesick for San Luis Obispo and at the same time Arthur was living in Springfield and we reunited actually on Facebook. I friended Arthur, he friended me, I don't remember which now and, and the first thing he said to me was Claudia Trimble as I live and breathe. And I said, what? <laughs> and he said, you don't remember? This is all in writing, of course, on Facebook. And I said, I'm sorry. Don't but you I, remember Flit? I have to say, I, I ran and got my yearbook, and I quoted to her what she had written. Whether you know it or not, Arthur, this was the most important part of my entire year. And you forgot. And she forgot. Oh, you should see the flush on her face right now. <laughs> so yeah, tell me about Flit. Uh, well, all right, so that... I'd like to say that was my first play, but it wasn't because my first play was about Gus Grissom, the astronaut. Do you remember him? Right, I remember Gus yeah, Grissom. I was sure, in yeah, fourth grade. Flit was all right. So that's 1969. At the time, uh, it was my first really full-length play and original play because before I'd been dabbling with you know taking little bits and pieces from other media, whatever. Let me jump back one second. Why were you writing plays at all? I mean, what what started, oh. what kicked you into actually doing plays? Uh, and, and it's the same reason I, today, uh, I just, what I love about playwriting is that it's not, that you get to put what is up here inside your head and present it to a bunch of other people and have them go at it and, and create something live from what started and just 
in your head where only you could hear or see it. I love that about playwriting, I, which is why you can't, you could do that with a novel, but it would take a really long time and people would get really tired, especially if you wrote, you know, War and Peace or something. But with a play, especially now because they're getting shorter and shorter, I've noticed, there's just nothing like that feeling. I love that it was a way for me, still is, to share myself because that doesn't always come easily to me. Okay. You know, and a lot of people, when I say that, go, oh, give me a break, you. And I, it's like, well, <laughs> yes, I know. I mean, there, there's a lot of com compensatory behavior on my part. It's like, if, you're, if you're loud and brash and boring, then people don't know that you're an introvert and you're scared to death and you, you really would rather just go crawl under the bed and go to some other place where there aren't a lot of people. Uh, but when you give them your play... Uh, then, it, then yes, be loud, be happy, be 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 extroverted, whatever it is. That's great. That's great because I, I I can I can comfortably watch that. You know. Nice. So tell us about Flit. All right. Well, Flit. <laughs> it is. It was. It was. Uh, it was a play uh, about. You know what? Now that I think about it, it was exploring. I, I think I'd had I, I I had a crush on a guy, but of course in those days we didn't talk about things like that. So this was my way of kind of getting around that very important thing that had happened to me. This crush that wasn't going anywhere, and one of the students that I was particularly intimidated by said, "Art." They called me Art then. Um, did you know that Flit? is a term uh, for homosexual in many urban places. And I said, oh, of course I knew that. And I, and I hadn't, I'd never, but I began, at that moment I began to see why when I handed my play to Hank and when I handed it to other people and said, yeah, it's called Flit, there, I, I would detect this little, uh, oh, yeah, a little knowing oh, glance. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're speaking the code. Yeah, exactly. And I, my, my next big clue was when Hank suggested, you know, too bad you're graduating this year because I have the perfect role for you in our production of Alice in Wonderland next year. I'd love you to be the Red Queen. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, this is just the beginning of, uh, so Flip, well, it was, it was several years later that I came out. Mm -hmm. I, I, I went through many, many, many years of being ambiguously gay, as did many of us in those days. Uh, but that flit is, I, if, if for no other reason, flit was important because that was the first time that even subconsciously I was experimenting. You know, remember when I said that, you know, it's all going on in sure, here. Yeah, I'm yeah. sharing it. Right. I was sharing something. I wasn't quite sure what it was, right. you know, but I think, you know, that's, that's pretty much what was there. I, I find it's always interesting between what a playwright has in their head to begin with. Mm -hmm. There's there's a beautiful little meme on Facebook that that says, if you could hear half the things that go on in my head, you'd have me committed. Right. Right. And it's especially true for creative types like us, you know, <laughs> playwrights and that sort of thing. What makes it out of our head? What makes it onto the page? And then what makes it onto the stage? And we present that and we produce it. And the people who know us in and I'm doing air quotes here, eh, real life, right? They see this, and all of a sudden they look at us, and the looks mean what? I mean, what do those looks mean to you? Because um, I usually get, oh my 
God, I think I should have you arrested. <laughs> yeah, I, I get a lot of that too. Or, or well, well, you know, you, we are. I was. Um, I have written certain things in the past that give me a lot of looks. I actually, what I love is 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 to be in an audience when people are watching something that that I had originally written. I mean, all kinds of reactions just absolutely knock me out. I mean, I, I like. Uh, uh, laughs, of course. Uh, we we sh- thrive on the laughter. Laughter yeah. is great, but but screams are often good too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, uh, uh, it's interesting because there's a constant battle, at least uh, for me, about all right. Uh, th- this is a collaborative art, and so people are reacting to all kinds of things. They're acting to the director's choices. They're act. They're they're re- uh, responding to the 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 actor's choices, to the lighting design, to the the set, uh, all kinds of, but, but, but all that just blows me away. And I love that because at, at the very big, big beginning, the germ for all of that was what was in my head. And that, I just love that. There's no other feeling like that. I'll, I'll vouch for that one. So homecoming players. Yeah. Uh, how did this come about? Okay, and, that's a good story uh, too. yeah, let's, uh... <laughs> well, so after we, after we reunited on Facebook, we talked each other into coming to Ithaca for our 40th Ithaca High School class reunion. That was the summer of 2009. I flew in from the Bay Area. Arthur came down from Springfield. And we had a wonderful time. And at some point over the weekend, I turned to Arthur and I said, you know what? We should move back to Ithaca and start a theater company. And we both said, yeah, that's a great idea. Wonderful idea. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> then we went back home again and we kept kind of talking about it. And the idea was fomenting and germinating and, and expanding. And uh, at one point in the fall, Arthur wrote me this long email. He said, we're doing it. I've had it. We're moving. Let's do it. And that was really all I needed, that final push. I hadn't been thrilled with life in the Bay Area. I was ready to come back home. My mother was in the late stages of her life. I wanted to spend time with her. So we just really, very, very literally on a wing and a prayer packed up and came back to Ithaca and, and moved into my mother's house, which was vacated by that point. We thought it would be temporary staying in the house. Turns out now that it may be for the rest of our lives, if we're lucky, because since then my mother has passed away and I've been fortunate enough to inherit this house, which we now co-own. So it's been a pretty wild four years since 2010. I think it's a, a case of... Um, amazing serendipity really uh that we were both of us at that stage in our lives ready right Mm -hmm. yeah we were it just so happened neither one of us were particularly interested in going to the high school reunion but we talked each other into it right and uh and had a great time by the way right we did uh in more ways than one but it was yes it was that decision that we made uh that could be viewed as somewhat impetuous. You I'm know, hearing a lot of subconscious subtext going on between <laughs> you two. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's the type of decision I think that is usually. I mean, usually we're used to people making that when they're in their twenties or or thirties. Yeah, right. Sure. For a couple of sixty-year-olds to say, "Hey, let's just you know drop everything." Well, it isn't really a question of dropping everything because things had already been dropped for us. So between the two of you, homecoming players. Uh, what does it take to a start a theater group and make it happen? And B, 
Do you guys agree on everything? Who picks the season and who gets to direct? And tell us, tell us how it works because you're going into your third season now? Or We'll be going into our third full season in the fall, we hope. We, we hope the dates will work out that we've, um, that we've identified. <clears throat> and we'll be going back um, as guests of the, well, as tenants, really, of the Kitchen Theater, which has worked out very, very well for us. And we're very delighted and thrilled to be invited yeah. back in for our next season. It's a wonderful space. Third season, and uh, you've been putting on some uh, absolutely amazing work, some very heartfelt, beautiful plays. Uh, you just did um, Joni Fritz's, well, you were going to do Joni Fritz's play. You, right. That went up for a reading uh, earlier in the year in the car with Blossom and right. Lane. last season we did Last that. season. Right. Um, you did uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which right. uh, blew the doors out of everything. Right. Ross Harstad directed that for us. That was a great choice. Absolutely. But, you know, to answer your question, George, about how we come to our decisions and do we agree about everything, we have, but part of the serendipity of this decision on our parts to move back to Ithaca, because we didn't really know each other that well. We've had to, we've absolutely had to get to know each other again and as adults and all of that. We are remarkably compatible. We don't agree. We're not, we're not twins, but our, our sensibilities are very similar. Our responses to the theater mm -hmm. we see are usually extremely similar we like the same sort of things we we have the same we have the same kind of analysis of performances that we've seen and direction that we've seen we we get it the same way and I, it I, we, our training paths are very different so that's to me that's just because we, our personalities just sync we're so compatible that actually when you disagree with me i know how to calmly discuss it as opposed to, you know, just screaming my head off at people the way I normally do. And anybody, you know, deigns to disagree with me. <laughs> so is, is, is there a, a, a mission statement, a vision, a certain kind of thing you guys want to do with the homecoming players? Talk about that for a minute. Well, we, we, at this point, we, we think of ourselves as having a sort of a, a three-pronged mission. One is to, is to uh, promote gender parity because there just are not enough women writing and directing and being written for in plays. We'd like to really, really emphasize that. I think there may be a number of women writing, but... But not getting produced. from, <laughs> yeah. that's another story. I, I, I know from most of the, the people that I keep in contact with across the, across the country that it is such an issue. That uh, there are so many women out there who are not getting in past the doors, or if they are getting in, they're not being serious, you know, taken seriously. It's terrible. And all those voices out there are just languishing. They are, and in this uh, in this political climate, you know, women really have to scratch and claw and stop being tr trampled. It's just it's it's really it's worse in 2014 in some ways than it was when we were when I was a young woman right. coming up. So that's very, very important to us. And as long as we can run a theater company and, and make those decisions, it's gonna, we're going to keep on doing that. That's, that's, that may be number one at this point. It, it, it kind of dovetails yeah. with, our, with our commitment to exploring the intersection of social justice in theater. And not every play we've done can be defined as perfectly embodying that idea. But any play sure. can yeah. be can be described that way too, because there are themes, there are always themes, they always have to do with relationships and you can find a way to make it work. Certainly one of the first big things we did, which was 
<clears throat> Dustin Lance Black's eight. Right, the sure. The play yeah. in 2012 was all about that. It was about the uh, the case uh, the case against Prop Eight in California. Um, we were sponsored by the American uh, the American Foundation for Equal Rights, which brought that case, Affer. brought that that federal case, and every dime we raised went to that cause of marriage equality. And we exceeded our fundraising goal. We said, wow, this fundraising thing is easy. <laughs> I mean, wow, well, look really? how wonderfully I mean, that went. Oh, boy, it really, it, it was wonderful. But, you know, later on we found out, oh, that was a sexy issue we had there. Yeah, marriage equality is very sexy, especially for a, for a liberal-leaning city like ours. Absolutely, so, yeah, It yeah. just went great. Yeah. It, we collaborated with every theater in town was represented. That's, and I do think that that is the show that, that put us in the minds of our colleagues. So really after that, um, casting has never really been an issue. And we've been extremely fortunate to work with amazingly talented fellow artists. For those of you who don't know, who don't live in the bubble that we call Ithaca, we are a relatively small town with an unbelievable capacity for theater. We've got more theater groups than you can shake whatever you want to shake at it. Uh, yeah, there we go. Thank you for getting me out of that. One. Um, but yeah, it's, we've we've got theater groups that are nationally known and well recognized, and down to pick them up and let's run with this for a couple of weekends, kind of theater. Right. So, right. yeah. and we uh, we we were asked by a lot of people when we first said we were going to be doing this. You know, are you sure there's a lot of theater? People are very territorial. You could have a lot of trouble doing what you want to do. And this has not been a cakewalk. I mean, we 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 gnash our teeth and pull our hair and 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 fret and worry about the finances. Our, our finances could be a great deal healthier than they are. But as long as we can afford to do what we're doing. And we have a venue, which, of course, is such a major issue for, for itinerant and independent theater companies. Absolutely. Yeah. We are just, we cannot not continue. We have to keep going. Except for not having any money. We're feeling pretty great right now. Well, what's money? Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. I just want to make sure, did we get all three of the prongs? No, I don't think we quite finished that. Okay, so finish pronging. Gender parity. Gender parity, social justice and theater intersection. And the third thing is the three E's. Yes. Okay. To Exhilarate, entertain, and enlighten. I like that. Yeah. Isn't that good? I like that, yeah. 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 And that's what we, I think we have succeeded, if, with all due respect and in due humility. With the shows we've done this season, I think we have, we have succeeded with yes. that third one. Our audiences have responded very well to the work we've done. Let me throw this at you, first of all, since we're kind of touching on the subject. A friend of mine who lives in the community swears all art is political. Mm. Thoughts? I think an argument can be made for that because I think the minute the the minute you gather people together in the in the same room to communicate, there's an element of politics in in it. You have you have something to say, something to receive, and you're and you're trying to influence minds and and make an effect. And in some ways, that's what politics is. You think what I think, or I think what you think, and we come together and try to try to change things or fix things or perpetuate things. I've written all kinds of things and I've written all kinds of, with all degrees of seriousness. I, I can be very silly, 
and I'll be the first one to admit that. I have discovered that when I am particularly silly, and if if, if my emphasis is on that, I get I get uh, fingers wagged at me quite frequently, and a lot of people think, well, you know, what it's why why do fluff in in this day and age? How can you possibly find time or feel that you can afford to do anything that merely entertains? Which always reminds me of. You know, my dad telling me, well, you just like to do that because it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that, 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 that embarrassment that was instilled upon us if we were actually doing something that we love, that we like. Mm-hmm. What a horrible reason to do anything because it's fun. Really? Well, but it spoke to me. I understood what he meant. You know, it, it was, it was uh, admonishment. Right. You know, it's, it's another way of saying, well, you're being, you're, 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 you're you're just not being serious or committed. You're not. Yeah, you're wasting time. <laughs> so, and I and I apologize for taking it off in that direction, but that your question uh, sure yeah evoked that in me because you're I, not I, living up to your potential. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. My feeling about about doing theater that's not remunerative, and even even when it is, certainly in our situation, the minute it ceases to be fun. I've got no interest in doing it right. because if I can't enjoy what I'm doing, if I'm not, if it's not making me rich and uh, you know allowing me to get that island off Spain, then it mm-hmm. sure as hell better be fun. It's you know, the more fun. as we're talking, I, I think that's a, a big, that's a huge uh, plus for returning to Ithaca for me because I have allowed myself in this return to my uh, hometown that I, I actually took for granted, I think, uh, enormously when I was growing up here. I mean, you know, well, well, doesn't a, everybody have I, a I, I'm, sh- I'm a sure we all do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Everybody's got this, right? It's yeah. so beautiful here. It, it's beautiful, but it's uh, the culture here, as, as, mm-hmm. as, as you were saying, George, it's remarkable how much theater thrives here mm-hmm. in this, in our bubble. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but I think for me, coming back, the, uh, a big part of it has been to readdress what I like doing. I've spent many, many years doing things that I don't particularly like. I've been good at, sure, but I yeah. haven't particularly liked doing them because I think I still hear my father saying, well, you're just doing that because it's fun. Mm-hmm. There were some other reasons I may have stopped acting and writing, right. but I've, I'm, I, I'm reintroducing myself to theater, too, and it's just been glorious. I mean, there's just nothing like doing... You hear this all the time, you know, yeah. if you're lucky enough to be doing something that you love. You know. Well, we, we all know that the, a career in theater is, you know, totally fraught with, you know, huge bank accounts and oh. unlimited funding and... Right. Yeah. You know that that house in you know in in the Mediterranean. We, right. we it's, it's all just down the road from anybody, anybody gets into <laughs> right, theater. Of course, at the age of sixty three, we're ready yeah. for that any Absolutely. minute now. <laughs> so if you are going to do this, and we're I, bright eyed and bushy tailed, sixty three. Well, we are. Yes, we are. We are. We are. Yeah. Let's hear it for sixty three. I, I don't see yeah. why not. Absolutely. <laughs> so now that you've let the cat out of the bag, yeah, you're, we're getting to my next. See the look he's giving me now. <laughs> Suspicion. Um, talking about Dottie, this is uh, your latest play. It is now in rehearsal. Yeah, we're all eagerly looking forward to the first play from Arthur Bicknell in a long time. And long time. I know as a playwright myself, I can only go so long without writing because this is what I do. And I consider it a waste of my space on this planet. If I am not writing or creating something, double-edged question here, Dottie, tell us about that. Why are you writing it, and 
What does it feel like to be back behind the pen after so long? Well, I should clarify, first of all, that uh, Dottie may be my first serious play in, I'd say, just about 20 years. But I have been writing. I've been... Um, Maybe it can be best put. I, I wrote something. Uh, there, there were a, a lovely bunch of people in Rochester, headed by uh, John Borak. I wrote something uh, for for John, and for his uh, his his group. Uh, I showed it to one of my friends, and her reaction was, "Well, I, I'm not sure what this is, Arthur, but it's not your next play." <laughs> Oops. Oh, uh, now that's that wow. that that sounds to me, but she was so right yeah it was a lot of writing though it was a lot of writing monologues uh, uh dissertations um i think most much of it very theatrical but i think she ultimately now that i've had time to to, to settle <laughs> i think she was right on target i've written a lot of things that one cannot consider my next play but i have continued to write what i haven't done as i hope i've done in dotty or am doing in dotty is to write honestly about oh. what i am where i am without trying to placate anybody or hide anything sure because of um well i'll just come out and say it one of the one of the one of the one of the major parts of my renaissance here is is to be outwardly myself sexually says the man who's now living with a heterosexual woman but you see before <laughs> we jump to conclusions that that it is i mean that's one of the things uh, that i find that's very compatible about Rachel. She totally understands that and supports that. Uh, eight was very important for me, too, because we I, I remember there was a moment when we, were at, we had a talk back. And here we are, and we, I was I was with uh, one of the actors, Kit Wainer, and another actor was, was Kevin Hillgartner. Uh, and uh, we so we were able to talk about how it was wonderful that we had the very, very young and the very, very old but it was also wonderful for me to fully express myself as uh, in this talkback to the public as a gay man. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people find that, well, you know, ho-hum, and it is ho-hum, but it isn't for me because it's been so many years of repression, even when I've been, you know, very open about, you know, sexuality, but there's still been that closeted aspect that, uh, oh, but I do heterosexual really well. <laughs> you know, so maybe I shouldn't just give it up in appearances. But, uh, you know, I, and, I, and, I, and I really don't mean to be, and I know I'm being flip, and I don't no, mean not. to be, because um, I don't think so. that has been a, a, a remarkable um, catalyst for me and uh, to, to start writing from who I am. Sure, yeah. And it's like it's an elementary thing, but it's 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 been a huge, huge, huge lesson for me. It, I, uh, I I I don't know what the results are going to be. Audiences will be able to judge of that, and that's coming up. And I don't know that, right. but I at this point I know I feel great about finally unleashing and be and writing without guilt, without preconceived notions, without um, finally, finally, finally. Uh, that inner critic. Right. There's no moral critic. Yeah. That, and that's hugely important for me. Yeah. To free me mm -hmm. up. 
to, to it, it frees my brain too, that, not that, just my that's, heart. That's you know, got to be an incredible feeling, like getting out of jail after twenty five years and not knowing where to go and what to do. That's first. not a bad analogy. That's not bad at all. And I uh, and the same thing goes. You know. It, it, it slowly happened with my acting too. I, I started doing you know some small roles here and sure, there. Sure, yeah. I was getting this re, this response that was great. It's like you're really good. And I'm like, <laughs> I used to I used to know that you know decades ago. Yeah. But it's yeah. like I'm returning to that. It's like and once I started with the acting, it's like well let's let's go for, let's do the whole thing. You know that you know why not? I mean you know this is the uh, our third act. Let's make it a good one. Mm. So when you started to write Dottie and you knew you were serious about this and you sat down in front of your pen and paper or your word processor or whatever it was, what were the thoughts going through your head? I wanted to do justice to a number. First of all, Dottie is the inspiration for Dottie. Uh, is uh, is uh, the the years that are our, our first years back here in Ithaca that we spent with Rachel's mother Shirley Hockett at uh, Bridges in uh, in Cornell the assisted living mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh, those four years were uh, Shirley was a remarkable woman who I was really meeting for the first time despite the fact that she uh, was teaching at Ithaca High School when. We were. I was there, but I'd never had the the privilege of you know being taught by her, so I didn't know her. I, I met her this time around. Uh, a remarkable woman who just absolutely inspired me, but also the the language of this incredibly brilliant woman who was experiencing stages of dementia. I became fascinated with because I've always been fascinated with with, with words. I became fascinated with that particular language. How this woman who had such control, and I knew that, and I instinctively understood her humor, her timing, but the limitations now were, were yes, limitations, but also in many ways, launching pads for a whole new way of expressing herself. Right. Kind of like the way she did only, but now, now the tools are different. That became... As a as a writer, that 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 was what uh, what really really intrigued me. That inspiration is probably along with everything else that I've just been talking about mm-hmm. is what sent me to my word processor, and and that's so I was feeling all right. Let's proceed. Let's let's write a story about this, and that was the second big thing for me that became basically my mantra. Uh, which helped me where I kind of lost it in the past, was just tell the story. I came up with a story, and then it's mm-hmm. like, as I proceed, I had to keep reminding myself, don't go off in your flights of fancy. Don't go off in your you know, your, your, your theatricalities. I, I tend to do that a lot with, with, with different things. Just tell the story. Concentrate on this story that you are telling. Right. You know, and that... Uh, Got me through it, you know. I'm I'm just sitting here thinking after you know all this period of not writing quote seriously. You could have picked an easier subject, something easier to translate, something less heady, less difficult to put into words. Because you're basically talking about someone whose sense of reality and whose sense of being in this dimension is changing. Yes, but and. That- 
understanding where she's coming from, what she's seeing, how she's interpreting things is literally just learning a whole new dimension of behavior instead of sitting down and writing, you know, something that stays within the same parameters of communication that we're all used to. Yeah, you're it's absolutely true. It's a right. challenge, and it's a big challenge for the actors, too. Actually, two, two out of three of the characters suffer from dementia. But Arthur developed an incredible ear for this way of communicating with all the time that we spent with my mother and her friends at Bridges. And, and all, all of my mother's best friends at Bridges um, were suffering various, various extents of dementia. And we would come out of having dinner over there and say to each other, what universe were we just in? It would, just, it would be just like sort of putting on a spacesuit and flying to some alien land and sitting down and just making yourselves at home for an hour or two in their world because you can't bring them into your world. And then we would go home and slowly reconnect with the world that we know. Finding that we were exhausted. Exhausted. Exhausted from just, you know, a couple of hours. Yeah. But speaking for myself, and I know it was true for you often too, um, just fascinated with... It really was. How how it worked. Yeah. And how it it was like learning a new language. It really, it it really, uh, when I work on this play when I work on the scenes from this play having lived through all those years because you're directing this I'm directing this yes right. it's my great privilege to be directing and I think it's a beautiful play I hope I hope our audiences will agree and we've got such wonderful actors but I'm, I I look at Camilla Shade who's playing Daphne and and let's be clear Daphne is not Shirley Hockett she yes. is inspired by Shirley Hockett yes. yes but I look at her I hear her in her in the scenes and i i almost see her as my mother because the the patterns of speech the the wit the timing the sharpness of her what stayed whole in my mother as she lost her grip on sort of on on being compos mentis is is so captured by this play. factual reality yeah the factual reality logistics i mean you know, yeah i mean that, all those that things that make sense and <laughs> vocabulary too i mean saying the wrong word for things it, it it's just arthur's done such a wonderful job of that and it really makes me feel that he does understand dementia you do get the feeling that, that this playwright really gets it what 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 it means certainly from watching it as an as mm-hmm. an audience member. Now, of course, the challenge for Camilla and Carolyn Cadigan, who's playing Mabel, who are both demented older women, is is as we know, you need to, for acting to be effective, you need to play something. You need to have a reason to do something. And when your mind is changing every two or three words, that intention has to change every two or three words yeah. too. And to stay in the moment and to deal with that sort of newness of the, of the language that comes up, it's a huge challenge for these actors. Well, the moment Ooh, keeps I, changing. So how can changing. you stay in it? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's a challenge, but they're, I, I find that they're rising to it just, just beautifully. They are. And I, for the little I've, I've seen, I'm, I, I usually, I, I, I stay away from rehearsals as best I can. Oh, you're such a good playwright. Well, <laughs> I'm not. I want to. I, I, I want to be there, but I, I've learned from the past. It's uh, we're digressing, but I, just quickly about that. Uh, uh, for the shows of mine that uh, 
were done off Broadway, I was very typically in the audience for just about every rehearsal, and I found that actors could come to me and often did and say, "Well, you know, why does such and such do such and such, mm-hmm. or what made this happen, or why 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 does my character have such an obsession on whatever?" And I and I would always respond to be, and I, you know, it's like guys, I I'm the writer, I can make up shit right now. I can tell you anything. I can any problem, any dilemma you come to me with, I'll make up something. But the problem is then you'll go, Oh, gospel and you won't do any exploration of your own. And yeah. I, I'm just I, I find that even now, the little little time that I've spent with the rehearsals, I, I, I can't shut up. I want to just keep talking and exploring with people. And it's like, no, that's I I've done. I'm done. Yeah. You know, that stuff I did up here is it's it's yours now. I've been kicking him out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but what you were saying before I wanted to touch on, it's that it is this particular world of oh, all sorts of dementia and uh, Alzheimer's and all and senility and, and all the different, different uh, stages and textures and uh, nuances. Uh, it's very much a language of the moment. And I think you were right. talking a little bit about that too. They don't have, many of them don't have the tools of, of uh, what happened uh, two weeks ago, let alone, or maybe two minutes ago. We do have what you just said right now mm-hmm. and how I can respond to that. And that's the thing that I, one of the things that I found absolutely fascinating because, because there is communication. It, it, it's a, a fascinating uh, kind of communication, and there's lots of humor, and there's lots of pathos and disappointment. It's uh, it's 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 a very uh, complex universe. It's split. It's a subject that is scary. Yeah. I heard an interview with Stephen King not too long ago, and you know he's he's written about everything from vampires to bogeymen. You know the most horrific, horrible, frightening things in the world. This man is copyrighted and put down in his books, and he co- keeps coming up with new ways to find a way to jab the ice pick of fear into your heart and he was recently asked so what's left that's scary for you and this was the subject he came to was dementia the point where you start to lose your grip on reality and you may not know it but sometimes you do know it and knowing that it's inevitable knowing that it's irreversible how could you possibly find anything scarier than that. Well, Rachel Hockett and Arthur Bricknell, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with the two of you. I am so psyched to see Dottie (laughs) and uh, to see the next season of the Homecoming Players, which I know we're all looking forward to. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, George. George.